0: Welcome to the Fremont Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. We are a family of believers who meet in Fremont, Indiana every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We are attempting to follow Jesus by loving God and loving people. If you would like to support Fremont Community Church, go to www.fremontcommunity.org. just waiting hmm. Father this whole thing is yours all this is your church your house your building, we are your people. So we say yes to whatever you want to do today. Not just today, but every day. <clears throat> Not just the next five minutes, but for the rest of our lives, we say yes. You've got good ideas, Jesus, way better than ours. We just want to be in agreement and participation with you. I know we have announcements to make, etc. but I just don't feel like we should do that yet. Maybe not at all. I do want to release the kids if you want to go to your classes. You can go. We love you. We're grateful for you. Jackie. Come up and speak on the mic so we, those watching by video can hear you. No, I want you to do it.
1: This morning about three o'clock, which is typical for me, um, the Lord gave this word, and it's from Bible Gateway, it's available to everybody, but it just spoke to me so strongly, because this is the new year, the new Jewish year. It's the second day, 5, 7, yes. So Joel two twenty three, be glad then, ye children of Zion, which is you, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the early rain, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, The early rain and the latter rain in this first month. Everything. Amen.
0: (laughs) Amen. Amen. Here's the deal, y'all. I don't know if you caught that. It's a desert culture. If the rain doesn't come, the crops don't grow, period. And they had two different rains, one at the beginning of the season, right after planting, and one at the end of the season to finish the maturing of the crops. But that was the only time it really rained in that region. And what that verse just said was, I'm not just, it's, it's time for the early rain, but I'm going to send both together at the same time right now. Like what you expected to come for the whole year, I'm going to send all at once in one moment. I just, I'm, (laughs) I'm going to, I feel like the Lord's directing me to, um, to go to Hebrews 11, and I, this is, I taught this stuff on Wednesday, or for, it wasn't Wednesday, but uh, I, uh, uh, in the Bible study, uh, on, uh, last week, but I just really feel like the Lord's telling me I need to bring that again, um. Can you guys mute this so I can unplug the thing? Okay. How many of you actually watched the video from, from this week? Oh, good. Then, you know, then... <laughs> man. So, Susan, this won't be new stuff to you, but everybody else, it looks like, is. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's the verse. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's our verse for today, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen may have heard that in a different translation at one time or another. Faith is the ev- the, the the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Um, I'm reading to you from the, I think this is the NASB. Um, but I want to unpack this little verse, this important verse, this massively important verse, and then I'm going to tell you a story that I've told you before, but I absolutely know that this is what we need to hear this morning, okay? So um, this these, this phrase is difficult to unwind and, and unwrangle because there's some interesting Greek uh, words here. Uh, and it kind of, that sentence in English is hard to understand. Faith is the substance or the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of uh, the conviction of things not seen, it's, it's, it's a little difficult to unravel. And that's because we are describing, the author of the Hebrews, whoever they may be, is describing something that, is, uh, that bridges the, the gap between the, the realm we live in and the realm God lives in. Does that make sense? Between the visible and the invisible. That's what faith does. Faith is the, is the thing that bridges the visible and the invisible. That's how it works. That's why it's necessary. That's why it's important. And faith, a lot of times when we hear the word faith, we immediately jump to belief, right? That's kind of where we go right away. We kind of think of faith and belief as synonyms, but they're not synonyms. Belief is a part of faith, but that's not all that faith is. Faith requires belief, but faith is more than just belief. Faith is belief and engagement and endurance, okay? So faith has these three pieces to it. The first piece we're pretty familiar with, and that's belief. We have to believe. We have to, to, to uh, actually believe that what God said is true. The way my dad always illustrated this is he would take a chair, and he would say, it's one thing for me to look at this chair and to say I believe it will hold me, and it's another for me to actually sit in it. This is belief. Belief. I'm putting my weight on the chair. Don't worry about it, Aiden. I'm putting my weight on this chair. That's belief. Belief goes beyond just saying in your head, oh, yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I believe that. Belief goes beyond that. Belief goes into living as if it were true. No belief we're going to get there belief is more than a mental ascent. and yeah that's a, this is a part of faith this is the part of faith that is belief but but faith goes beyond it faith goes beyond just that 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 place of of putting my of putting my weight in the chair because that's just a piece of faith okay faith also requires endurance requires you to remain, to stay, to hold fast. This is the, this is the part of the word faith that, we, that is used when we talk about someone being faithful. When we talk about someone being faithful, what does that mean? It means they keep showing up, right? They keep doing their job. They, keep, they, they are doing what they said they would do. They're keeping their end of the bargain or their end of the agreement. They are faithful, correct? Does that make sense? And that is the aspect of faith that I'm talking about here is the thing that I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay engaged. I'm not going to just run off when things get difficult. I'm going to stay around. When we talk about being faithful to our spouse, what are we talking about? We're talking about not leaving. When I sit with people that are about to get married, one of the things that, we haven't had this this conversation yet, guys. One of the things that I talk about with them is this. You are not promising not to change. You're promising not to leave. Because human beings change, correct? We change all the time. People say, like, people don't change. People always change. People constantly change. I'm not who I was a year ago. And neither are you. People are in a constant state of flux. God does not change. People change. And faith, faith in this way, this, this place of endurance, this place of staying, this place of remaining, of diligence. I'm trying to think of all the different, all the different, you know, I'm trying to be a thesaurus up here. This aspect of faith, we've got belief. That means I actually believe and I'm beginning to act like it's true. Then we have number two, which is which is endurance. I'm going to continue. I'm going to stay. By the way, that stay moves into the next, the third and final piece of what faith really is. And that is activity. James talked to us about in James chapter 2, he said, faith without works is dead. You show me by your faith, I say, I'll show you by my works, right? That's what James said, faith without works is dead. That's because faith has a third piece to it, and that is engagement, participation, cooperation. Now, that word cooperate it kind of gets stolen, some of it. It just means to operate together. Co-operation. To operate together. Participation. Partnership. All of those things point at this last piece of how, what faith is and how faith works. So are you with me? Belief. Endurance. Participation. That's faith. Those three things existing in one place at one time, that's faith. So I believe what God said. I don't stop believing what God said regardless of the circumstances and the way things look and the way things seem to me. And number 3, I engage with what God said. And this is the part we usually we miss the most is the engagement part. That's why James had to tell us, faith without works is dead, because we mess that part up most often. We're like, well, I believe, and I haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, but are you in active participation with what God is saying and doing right here and right now? Because that's the piece of faith that absolutely turns the key on the promises and the power of God. I'm going to tell you, this is, let's think about Peter. Okay, The disciples are all in the boat. Jesus has sent them on ahead across the lake. The storm comes. They are freaking out, right? Are you with me? You know this story. And all of a sudden, somebody looks out over the water and there's this figure walking on the water towards them and they're all like, ah! Okay this is a bad situation already right they're in the midst of a storm the boat's about to go down they're all going to die that's how they all feel at this particular moment that's where they're at we're all going to die and these were fishermen they, they they knew what it was like they were good with boats so when they were thinking they were going to die that was not they weren't being wimpy guys they've been in storms before this was bad they were in a bad way for real. And they are totally afraid and totally freaking out. And then they see this person walking across the water. So they are already in a bad situation. And now there's this weird thing happening with this person. that's like walking across the water on the waves. And you can think about the waves going up and down. I don't want to make anybody seasick right now. But you can think about that and think about how they would just catch a glimpse of him every once in a while when he would crest the top of a wave or when they would come to the top and there he is walking up the, and it's like, what is going on? You know, can you imagine how they must have felt in that moment? You got to put yourself in these stories. Feel the spray of the waves as they crash over the side of the boat. Feel the don't feel the swaying. I don't need anybody sick. I'm true. I'm serious about that. But just and the blowing of the wind and the lightning and the crashing and the, and then they see this unnatural, crazy, weird thing they have never seen before in a lifetime on the water. There is a man walking across the water. So they make the only possible deduction that they can. It's a ghost. Right? I mean, what else would you think? You're not going to automatically jump to, it's Jesus. You've never seen Jesus do this before. What? Right? And, one of, and then Jesus is like, no, it's me. <laughs> Which might have, I mean, that would have might have freaked me out even more. <laughs> I'm already in high, like, alert, you know. (laughs) What? It's Jesus. How can it be Jesus? What? And now the ghost is pretending to be Jesus. Wait a minute. Maybe Jesus is dead and that's his ghost. (laughs) And Peter makes this fateful statement that I absolutely love. This is why we love Peter right here. This is why we love Peter because he's just a little crazy. If it's really you, call me to come out on the water with you. What was in his head? I've wondered that so many times as I read that. Peter, why are you asking for that? You really want to get out of the boat? You really want to walk across? Maybe he just, maybe he didn't think that it was really Jesus. And so he was just saying the first thing that came to his head. I don't know. Maybe the Holy Spirit nudged him a little. Hey, And I can't imagine the look on Jesus' face. (laughs) My guess is that Jesus got this huge grin. Number one, because he just adores Peter. But number two, because, ooh, is that faith that I see? Every time you see Jesus encounter faith, Jesus gets really happy. Have you noticed that? Every time Jesus bumps into faith, I I described him on Thursday night as as a bloodhound sniffing out faith because that's really, he's like, faith, I smell faith. Where is it? Jesus was just drawn to faith. He would go running to faith and he would tell everybody, hey, faith, right? When he talked to the centurion and the centurion's like, it's good, you don't have to go back to my house. You can just say the word right here and my servant will be healed. And Jesus is like, Wow, faith, you know, or the woman that touched uh, the hem of his garment. He's like, wow, faith. Jesus was always excited about faith. Why? Because faith is the thing that bridges the visible and the invisible. And Jesus knows when he sees faith that the impossible is about to smash into this world. The kingdom, life, and power is going to come blasting in because you can't hold heaven back when you open the door with faith. Heaven comes pouring in. Jesus comes running. Faith! And I can see Jesus thinking and feeling that as he's walking across the water towards Peter that night. And he says, Peter says, if it's really you, have me come out in the water. And if it was me, if if, if I'm Peter in that moment, and those words come out of my mouth, I'm immediately going to go... What did I just say? No, never mind. I I didn't mean it. Jesus, forget that. I didn't just, Peter was putting his, Peter put his foot in his mouth quite often. What does Jesus say? Come. And you know the story. But this is where the participation with faith part comes. Because Jesus said, come. And in Jesus saying, come, was the power for Peter to walk on the water. This is the guy that calls dead people out of their graves. Hey, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth. That's who we're talking about. And so when Jesus speaks and Jesus says, come, there's no There's no question about whether or not Peter's going to have the ability to do that. Because here's Jesus saying, come. And in that word, the same power that said, let there be light, is in this word, come. And Peter, from that moment forward, has the opportunity to participate with what God's doing. That's this part called faith. He had enough faith to say, call me out on the water, Jesus, does, is he going to go the whole way to participation? And it wasn't until this would not be a story we told each other, and it would not have made it into the Bible if Peter hadn't said, okay, here we go. <laughs> and these boats like were pretty high, so he actually had to kind of climb over the side and drop down onto the water. Can you imagine how frightening this must have been? And here goes Peter. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way when you're doing something Jesus has told you to do? I don't know. Move to Fremont? <laughs> right? That's where we were. We had to promise our kids a dog so they didn't freak out. It's true. I'm not kidding. <laughs> But that's where it happened. See, Peter couldn't walk on the water till he was standing on the water. He couldn't walk on the water inside the boat. He had to get out. And faith is belief. Jesus, Peter believed in Jesus, and Peter believed Jesus could do this. Faith is endurance. Peter's still there. It's not, you know, he didn't say, never mind, I don't mean it. No, he didn't say he's... But will he get out of the boat? That's the question. Will he step out on the water? And then he did. And even as he's walking, he still was wavering. He was still having a hard time. But this is what Jesus does as we begin to walk on water. Jesus meets us right there and grabs us by the arm and says, you've come this far. I'm going to go the rest of the way with you. Let's go back to the boat and peter the only other human being that we know of that has walked on water other than jesus himself why because he participated because he got out of the boat he said yes and he said yes with his feet not just with his mouth This phrase, faith, the substance of things hoped for, this word substance is the same word used earlier on in Hebrews chapter 1 where it says that Jesus is the exact representation of God's nature. That word nature, it's the same word in the Greek as the word here. It means the literal, tangible reality. Are there things that God has put a hope in your heart for? Are, is there a walk on the water you know you need to take? Faith is the ability to do it, it's the reality of what you've hoped for, it's the reality that you see over across in the invisible that you're going to pull you're going to reach through that veil and grab hold of it and pull it into the visible realm that's what faith is and that's what this word is and that's what this phrase means that faith is the tangible reality of the things that we hope for it's the solidity the very nature of the things that we hope for and it is the evidence the conviction of things not seen this is this is a court word evidence and it literally means the evidence brought to trial that proves a person guilty or innocent so faith is the very substance of that thing of those things that we hope for And it is the evidence we present to the world that proves once and for all that these invisible things are real, true, and alive. When a church, when a people, when a family begins to have faith, the world stands up and takes notice. There is something going on there. There is something beyond this world happening. There's something invisible that is crashing into the visible world right there in front of our eyes, and it can't be denied, and it can't be argued with. It's evidence. Incontrovertible. Evidence. I have some evidence for you this morning. I'm going to tell you this story, and this is how we're going to close. Right here. You see my pretty girl? Not Lily. She's a pretty girl, too. This is Penelope, everyone. I believe in naming important possessions. Our cars all have names. Not Rachel's. She doesn't believe in that stuff. My guitars have all had names, and this guitar, her name is Penelope. I tell her that she whispered that to me when I held her in my hands the first time. I was at a conference in Boulder, Colorado at my sister's church where she, uh, she's a worship leader and minister there along with her husband. And we went to a conference and we were in the midst of worship and the presence of God was crazy all over in this room. And the Holy Spirit d- did what he does sometimes Where he says to, where he kind of grabs my attention and pulls me out of what else is going on. And I'm sure if you looked at me during this particular moment, you would have seen me like this. Because I was not in the room anymore. I'm sure I had a ridiculous look on my face. (laughs) I had a serious encounter with the Lord this week on a beach on the shore of Lake Michigan. And I told Karen this weekend, I said, when I kind of came back to the world, (laughs) I was really worried that I had made some embarrassing sounds. Because I just got pulled away. I don't even know. So I don't know if you find out something. Anyway, but... And that happened to me in this moment as we're worshiping. And the Holy Spirit says to me, Hey, Josh, I want to teach you about faith. And I was really glad because I had been praying and asking the Lord to teach me about faith. How does faith work? What is faith? Help me understand this mysterious thing called faith. This thing that Jesus was so excited about. This thing that the New Testament tells us is absolutely necessary. I want to understand it. i had been praying for that for a while. And let me say this to you. If there's something you don't understand... Jesus told us to be a bulldog with God, okay? He told us to stay in God's face. Hey, tell me about that. Hey, tell me about that. Hey, what's this? Hey, God, I want you to do this. You need to do this, God. Jesus told us to do that. He said those are the people that get their prayers answered. So I have learned to do that a little bit, although I'm not as good at it as some people, namely my son Ian. He is way better at that than me. He just will stay in your face until you make him, just do whatever you want him to do, he wants you to do. It's a lesson in faith, it really is. But anyway, I had been asking God for months, I want to understand faith, help me understand faith. I was reading all these different texts about faith, I was reading different authors about faith, I was doing everything I could to mine down into this reality because I wanted to understand it. I wanted to have a solid, balanced, biblical understanding of this word called faith. Because we all know that it has been tortured and it's been turned and it's been taken off into who knows whatever. And I wanted a solid, biblical understanding of it. And I had been asking for that for at least three months. And so when the Lord said, I want to tell you about faith, I was like, thank you. And he took me to this place. And when I was there, I'm, what I saw was this long line of, well, they looked like packages, kind of Amazon packages kind of a thing. Okay? And they were just kind of hovering in the air, but they were in a long line. And this particular line was headed right for me. And I was like, cool. I don't know what the, I mean, wow. And I looked to my left, and there was a bunch of other lines of the same kind of things, and they were headed to other people, And I looked to my right, and there was a bunch of other lines of things that were coming, and they were headed towards other people. And I look here, and I was like, what is, help me understand this. What what am I seeing? You told me I would understand faith. Help me see this. And he said, what you are seeing is my heart. That's what the Father said to me. This is my father heart, the heart of the father who loves to give good gifts to his children. That's what Jesus told us about the father, that if we ask him for bread, he's not going to give us a stone. That if we ask him for, uh, you know, for an egg, he's not going to give us a snake, right? That, That the father knows how to give good gifts to his children. And the father said to me, this is my heart. I love to give good gifts to my children. And this long line in front of you is a long line of gifts that I have for you that I am desiring to give you. And I was like, wow, that's cool. I like gifts. Anybody else like gifts? And I was like, well, okay, great. And he said, But they're going to stay in my heart until you have faith to bring them out of the invisible into the visible. He said, this is what faith looks like. Faith means loving me enough to look into my heart and to say to me, Father, I know you love to give me good gifts. What's the next gift you want me to have? It isn't that God doesn't want to give you things. See, God is not stingy. God is generous. But you see, these gifts in this long line, I didn't pick them. He picked them out for me. So this isn't me saying, God, I claim this red Corvette for you know for Josh right i don't really want a red corvette the, the insurance is crazy but this isn't me thinking about you know some sports car some whatever this is me saying father what is it you love to give your gifts good gifts to your kids what is the what do you what do you have for me and the father said and the way that you participate in bringing things out of the invisible and into the visible, is going to be different with each gift. And it's different based upon the nature of the gift. He said, if I want to birth a ministry into the world that is going to do amazing things, that kind of participation looks like day-to-day prayer, day-to-day working with the people that God brings along to make things happen, day-to-day asking God what's next, what's the next step. That's what participation looks like. The birth process of of something like a fresh new ministry is an entirely different birth process than a birth process to get this bill over here paid. Are you with me? And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, he said, I want you to look at that first gift that's on the front of the line to come to you next. I want you to see it. And I, and I looked, and it, it was this beautiful guitar. It was, my fa- it was the guitar I always wanted. It was a guitar I could in no way afford but that was the guitar I would pick if somebody took me into a guitar store and said, pick your, pick the guitar you want. This is, the one I would, this is the one I would have chosen. And I saw it. And I was like, wow, that's great. And I immediately started thinking, wow, 10, 20 years from now, maybe I'll be able to save up enough money to purchase that guitar, and won't that be amazing? And the Lord goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I have this for you right now. Little did I know that back at home, At this time, I had a whole group of friends who were coordinating with Rachel, and Michelle was kind of the leader of that group. Thank you, Michelle. We love you. Who were were participating with God because they had seen this guitar for me as well in the heart of the Father. And the Father was asking them to participate tangibly, so they were giving money toward the purchase of this guitar Now, I had just been having a normal conversation with a friend of mine a few weeks before that, and we were talking about stuff, and he asked me, dream guitar, what would it be? You know, it was a normal guy conversation. I did not know that God had put it on his heart to raise money to buy me a new guitar because I really needed one. I didn't know that, and he didn't tell me. And I told him, I said, I want a Taylor 720 CE. That's what I want. That's what this is right here. He goes, really? I said, yep. I said, if I could go buy a guitar right now, that's the first one I would buy. And I have a few others on my list, but that would be the first one. He was like, okay, great, cool. And we just kept talking, whatever. I didn't think anything about it. But then he began to speak to friends, to pastors, to Sweetwater. (laughs) To anybody he could get because God had put it in his heart that God had this guitar for me. And so my friend Tim, who, by the way, has helped out this church many, many times. He helped us to uh, set up our soundboard. He helped us to uh, do many things over the years uh, here. My friend Tim, who is a, just an amazing man of God, he began to, to participate with God to bring about something that was in the heart of God for me. And here I am in Colorado, seeing this thing in the heart of the Father. And he said to me, when you receive this guitar, you'll know that what I have told you today is the truth. Conference was over Thursday night. I flew home on Friday. Saturday night, I was preaching in our Saturday night service. Funnily enough, I was preaching on Thou Shalt Not Covet. We were doing a series on the Ten Commandments, and that was the sermon that was, and I was preaching on that. And before I got started with the sermon, my friend Tim comes over and just kind of grabs me, and he says, Before you start preaching, we have something for you. And the reality is my guitar that I had been using in worship was falling apart. It was a $300 guitar that I adored, but it was falling apart, and there was things going wrong with it. And everybody knew it because it had interrupted several of our services. So the, everybody in that Saturday night service knew I needed a new guitar already. But they said to me, Tim says to me, we have something for you. We knew you needed a new guitar. And I immediately started crying because I would seen it in the Father's heart for me. And I couldn't believe it was possible that I was going to get that guitar. Two days after he had shown this to me, that this is what it looks like to operate in faith, to see what's in the Father's heart, and to receive it, and to participate with God, to bring it forward out of the invisible into the visible. And he brought me this guitar. And he handed it to me, and I was in shock. I had no idea, first of all, I know how much this guitar cost. The Lord had been really good and given us some favor, and Sweetwater had given us the guitar at cost. If you know anything, that is not something that happens often, okay? That happens very rarely. But anyway, still, it was still a crazy expensive guitar. And here it was. In my hands, the tangible, physical evidence of things hoped for the proof to the world that there are invisible things at work. Church, I believe that we're in a season right now as a church. And God prophesied over us this morning. He's doing a new thing. I believe we are in a season this morning. We've been talking about it in regards. We've been talking about being present to God, being present to each other, being present to the community uh, and I told you last week, I, really, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is calling us to look outward and to begin to do outreach in brand fresh new ways. We talked about restarting community dinners. I really believe God wants us to do that. But I have to, I have to say this to you. None of the things that are in God's heart for Fremont Community Church can come to pass without faith that looks like this without faith that says, I believe what God has said, I'm not going anywhere, and I'm going to put my life on the line to see something birthed out of the invisible and into the visible. That means that you show up even when you're exhausted, which I am And have been exhausted all day today. But in my weakness, God is strong. Amen. And it means that you choose. You make different choices about finances, about time management, about effort, about energy. It means that you make different choices about where you're going to be and when. And how your life is going to be spent. Because you are living in cooperation, in faith, in participation. With what God has said that he is going to do. And we can look back as a church, and I was not here for this, oh, so I wish I had been. But we can look back at, at at the history of this church and we can see a group of people many of several of them still sitting in this room right now who saw what God wanted to do and began to put their life on the line give their time give their energy give their give their experience give their passion give their whole lives to see something birthed in this region and you are sitting in this building today because they cooperated with God but God is saying that, the season, that season of beginning was a beautiful place of beginning. But I'm calling you to a new beginning. I'm calling you to a new set of expectations. I'm calling you to see something fresh in the heart of the Father for this region and to say yes. From the bottom of your heart, and not just with your heart, but with your hands, with your feet, with your face, with your finances, with your time, with your energy, with your creativity. And it is up to us. I told you back in December that 2020 was going to be a hinge year. That everything was going to change. Boy, I did not know what that meant at the time. I I was, unfortunately, I was really right about that one. But I believe that this, that we have seen the swing. And we have seen, and, and we have, you have shown up. In such beautiful ways in this last year, you have shown up in such beautiful ways. We have seen uh, a whole new season in the food pantry, and we are so grateful for what God has already done and the way God has brought the food pantry to this moment, but we're seeing God do something new there. Amen? We are seeing God do something new there and we're seeing God doing something new because of the seed and the work and the toil and the sweat that was put in all of this time up until now and now the baton has been passed and a new season is beginning. And I'm telling you, that's just one piece of what God is doing and is going to do in our midst if, if we learn to walk in faith. That if is real. I told you that back in December, that it would be up to us. This would either be the beginning of the end for Fremont community or the beginning of a whole new season, and we have seen it. But this is only the beginning of the beginning. And I believe with all my heart that God is sending us into a new season that looks different than anything that we have seen before. I believe we will see dramatic moves and power of the Holy Spirit. I believe we will, but I will also believe. I want. I'm, I have an assignment for you. I'm going to close service because I know we're over time. But I have an assignment for you this week. Will you do your homework if I if, if I give it to you this week? Can, will you do it? This is yes. This is no. I'm asking you to read one chapter of the Bible. One, and we're going to talk about it. It won't be next week because. Well, maybe, I don't know. My my dad's going to be here next week sharing with us. Pastor Ron Hawkins from Fort Wayne is coming to speak, and he has a word for us from the Lord. I talked to him this weekend, and he started crying when he started telling me about what God had to say, which means it's going to be good. (laughs) When Pastor Ron cries, the Holy Spirit comes. We just need to know that. No, he's excited about being with us. But here's your assignment Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58 is your assignment. The Lord had me read it yesterday at the prophetic thing, and what the Lord said to me was, here is a recipe for revival, here. What Isaiah 58 says, I will summarize it for you. We find people at the beginning who are extraordinarily religious people? People who pray good, worship good, make their offerings, but they aren't seeing the move of God that they longed for. And ans- they aren't getting answers to their prayers. They're doing church good, they're doing church right the best way they know how, but they aren't seeing the move of the Spirit that they long for. And this is what God says God says, because you're all show. And no substance. And you're spending a whole lot of time, energy, and money in these big, gigantic uh, celebrations of religious activity, but there's starving people on the street. You hate and fight with one another. And you're pointing the finger of accusation at each other. There's homeless people. There's broken people, and you've completely ignored them. And so God says this, if you want a move of my spirit, all you have to do is start feeding people, start clothing people, start bringing the homeless in and giving them a place to live. And when those things, and stop fighting with each other, And when those things have happened, then God begins to make incredible promises. Your sicknesses will be healed. Your prayers will be answered. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Your righteousness will shine for all the nations to see. But it's not going to happen just through religious activity alone. Now hear me, God's not saying to stop praying, stop worshiping, stop doing church. He's saying that Alone is not enough. I'm calling you to pay attention to the cry of the hurting, the broken, and the downcast. And the move of the spirit that I feel that God wants to begin in this church at this time in this season is a move of the spirit that is birthed in the place of meeting the broken and of feeding the hungry and of housing the homeless and of clothing the naked. These things that Jesus told us we were supposed to do. Being present to our community. How many of you want to see a move of God? That's what it's going to look like, friends. And as we begin to do that, We will begin to see God move in ways we have never imagined He could. Let's stand. Isaiah 58, go read it. Father, let's just lift our hands. Father, we say yes, yes, yes. Lord, show us what it means to Participate with you, to partner with you in this moment, in the new thing that you are doing in our midst, in our region, in our nation. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus to reveal to us what it looks like to take step one, step two, step three into being obedient and to living out what it looks like to be a people who walk by faith. And that's what you said that your people, your righteous ones, would live by faith. Lord, we say yes. We believe what you have said. We're not going anywhere. And Lord, we're putting our lives on the line to bring all that is in your heart for this region out of the invisible and into the visible in Jesus' name. We say yes, whatever it takes, whatever it looks like, we say yes. I say yes, Father. I say yes, and my friends here in this room, do you say yes, my friends? To what God has planned, as you show it to us, Father, we will do it. In Jesus' name, I feel like I need to say this, if you're in this room and your relationship with God is rocky or non-existent. You're saying, I don't even know this God. How am I supposed to hear him? The Lord is inviting you right now to begin a new relationship with him. So right where you stand, I just want you to begin to talk to him. Tell him, I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Begin a new relationship with me. I'm your kid. I, I want to I, I, I know you. I want to love you. Forgive me of my sins, oh God. Jesus, make me a child of God all over again. Just right now, that invitation is open to come in and begin a new relationship with God. Yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord. I bless you in the name of Jesus, church, to see into the heart of the Father, to see the invisible by faith, and to begin to believe that all things can be made new. I bless you to go out of this place not not borne down by the history, by your history, by your past, but fueled with hope for what's coming. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Well, thanks, friends. Love you. Isaiah 58. Read it between now and next Sunday, maybe a few times. Isaiah 58. I love you. God bless you. Wednesday night Bible study this week is Hebrews 11, the rest of Hebrews 11. So tune in. Facebook and Zoom. Tuesday night, we have the ladies, uh, the ladies Inspiration Night at 6 p.m. Carolyn's going to be sharing her amazing testimony. Don't miss it. All right, love you guys. Bye.